Four years ago, I walked into my office, looked over my shoulder, and watched 15,000 Japanese people die. <clears throat> I need you to imagine something. I need you to imagine a wall of frigid seawater. It's about the height of this auditorium. But the wall is not stationary. It moves. And when it moves, it's elemental, and it is remorseless. That was the tsunami in my father's hometown of Kusenama, Japan. And I watched it all go down. I watched it all go down from South Carolina with a backpack on my shoulder. <clears throat> I stood there and watched as Kusenema burned under sky-high palls of black smoke. As I stood there and watched, I just had one question. And that question was, what has happened to my family? It was a question that went unanswered for the remainder of the day on March 11th. We had one 15-second phone call, my uncle to my, uh, to my father. In that 15 seconds, my uncle told my dad that he had taken shelter on the second or third floor of his office building on the Casenema waterfront. And then the line went dead. So we waited. We waited for news about both my aunt and my uncle. <clears throat> also, we waited for news about my grandmother. We waited until the 15th of March, and on that day, my cousin called my sister and delivered the news. <clears throat> my aunt and uncle had survived. My grandmother, Tokuna Komatsu, had not. I made plans to go to Japan immediately, but I was able to talk myself onto a military deployment to Japan for the US-led relief effort there. We called it Operation Tomodachi. On March 21st, I got onto a plane in, uh, bound for Japan, and I was utterly exhausted, but somehow I couldn't sleep. So in between brushing up on my lousy Japanese, watching Harry Potter three times, once in English, twice in Japanese, I drifted. How did I get here? I was born in 1977 to my Japanese father and my American mother. <clears throat> the union was an insult to Japanese culture, enough of an insult that my grandfather banished my father from the family. Now, a couple of years later, they reconciled, and my grandparents took a trip to the States to visit. The plan was to take a road trip across the country, um, but what my parents didn't tell my grandparents is that they're going to drop me off with family friends. So on the first day of the trip, um, I was left with family friends. My parents told my grandparents to say goodbye. My grandfather helped me one last time, and according to my dad, he wept. This was the only time that my dad saw his own father cry, <clears throat> and it was the last time that he and I were together. Shichiro Komatsu died 10 years later in Japan, having met me once. I landed in Japan, and the next day I was on a helicopter to Sendai, which is about an hour south of my dad's hometown of Kusinema. I needed to see things for myself, not through a computer screen, not through the lens of a television. We flew out over the ocean, and we followed this trail of tsunami, uh, tsunami debris from 50 miles off the coast. And as we approached Sendai, <clears throat> the intercom radius fell silent, and everybody just kind of pressed to the window and took it all into our minds. But of all the horrible things that I could go on and on about tonight, there's one thing I want to tell you about, and that's the thing that I remember the most when I close my eyes and I picture it today. And it's this line of demarcation on the horizon, the furthest reach of the tsunami. It was almost whimsical. On one side, life. And on the other side, not death, because the word is so singular. It was like a never-was vacuum, completely devoid of life. Three days later, I was back at Yokota Air Base on the outskirts of Tokyo, where I was, you know, I was working as a search and rescue planner for the operation there. 
fell into an endless series of 12-hour days, and one day I looked at the television and I saw coverage of the cleanup effort on Oshima Island. Oshima Island is where my grandfather was born. It was the name that he gave to the construction company that he built from scratch, a construction company that passed to my uncle, and the name of a company that was now completely wiped off the map. And I sat there and I looked at the television and I thought, what the hell am I doing here? I should be there. I grew up Japanese in the north woods of Minnesota, Japanese enough to know that Uncle Ben's minute rice was no good. <laughs> but not Japanese enough to know what the word for rice was. So when I left Minnesota in 1995 and went to the Air Force Academy, I spent the next four years trying to make myself as Japanese as possible. I studied the language and I graduated in 99 with a, with a minor in Japanese, but despite all that, I was still as Japanese as ever, just half. And now here I was, after 12 years of war, my language skills completely eroded, just another foreigner, just another gaijin. Before I left Japan, I had the opportunity to have dinner with my four cousins, none of whom were in Kisenema when the tsunami hit. The dinner began uncomfortably. I had tried to arrange through my father a trip to Kisenema in order to pay res uh, family respects to my grandmother. You know, my dad couldn't be there. Um, I was there. I was in Japan. Um, I, it just it felt right. It felt like I should go. But every time I asked my dad about it, uh, I just got a lukewarm response. There was a lot of stuff going on. His brother wouldn't say no, but he wouldn't say yes either. So when the topic of the, my trip to Cinema came up over dinner, um, my cousin just kind of looked down at their food. One of them pulled out a phone, and he called my dad, and then he handed me the phone. And my dad started rambling about all the factors, you know, the death of my grandmother, the destruction of the family home, the loss of the family business, and I just I interrupted him. I said, Dad, what's the bottom line? And he said this to me. You would be a burden. I got it. They would never say no to me. They couldn't, because they would lose face if they did. So I did it for him. I told my dad I wasn't going, handed the phone back to my cousin. And the relief on my cousin's faces told me everything that I needed to know in that moment. I was still just the American cousin. I was still, as they might say, hafu.